You're listening to Recovery, Healing, Outreach, and Awareness, a podcast about domestic violence, sponsored by Randy's House of Angels. Domestic or intimate partner violence is a complex and silent epidemic that affects millions of people worldwide. To respond to the overwhelming issues associated with domestic violence, Randy's House of Angels has produced a series of podcasts beginning in October that will bring this epidemic to the forefront of public consciousness and break the silence that often shrouds it. I'm Paul Miller, the producer of this program, and we invite you to access the podcasts by going to randyshouseofangels.org. On our final episode of Recovery, Healing, Outreach, and Awareness, a podcast on domestic violence, the group of four individuals, the people you've heard as facilitators throughout this podcast series, will regroup as sort of a concluding piece to all of the wonderful things and pieces of advice that we have heard throughout our time on the show. Nancy Chavez, Sherry Peters, Dr. Ellen Smith, and yours truly go through some of our guests and leave some lasting impressions and impart some final words of wisdom to anybody whose lives have been affected by domestic violence. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. I am Paul Miller, the producer of this podcast. I appreciate the honor of being able to introduce Sherry Peters, Dr. Ellen Smith, and Nancy Chavez from Randy's House of Angels. We have had such a wonderful experience doing this podcast, so we wanted to come on for our final episode of the season and kind of highlight some of the individuals who we've had on the program at this point. So everybody, thank you so much for letting me be on the show today. It's it's such a pleasure to be here on our wrap-up episode. So again, I'm going to go around, just everybody say hello. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. I am really pleased to be here since we wrapped up the recordings for the other episodes. It's just great to have this opportunity to talk about what we've learned. And Nancy, of course, it's always such a pleasure. Randy's House of Angels wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Well, thank you, Paul. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to be able to prepare and to move forward with the podcast. I have um, so much excitement to know the number of people that uh, the podcast will reach. Thank you. Of course. And of course, Dr. Ellen Smith, it's such a pleasure to have you here today as well. Thank you, Paul. This has been really an honor. This is a really tough topic, but we can't ignore it anymore. This is such an opportunity that we can uh, make a difference, and we hope to reach out to each and every one of you and encourage you to consider where you are in your situation, your relationships, and make changes if that's needed. Well, today we are going to serve as our wrap-up episode, as we mentioned. A few things that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some key words and phrases that we have pulled from some of our guests throughout the last few months. We're also going to talk about some of those guests individually and try to promote some of their services. We're going to talk a little bit about some signs of domestic violence and some red flags that you can look for. But in, And then at the end, we're going to come back to the mission of the Randy's House of Angels organization, children and family, and talk about some of the tips and advice and things that we learned 
from this series. So I want to start off with with key words. I think one of the most important things that we wanted to do, I think we all agreed when we came in here today, was highlighting some of the key words and phrases of our guests. So I'd like to kind of just go around and, you know, we're not trying to exclude any guests. We're, we're just, you know, coming here as sort of a, a denouement, if you will, and we're going to try to find some keywords and phrases and, and point to back to some of the episodes. So I want to start off with Dr. Ellen Smith. Dr. Smith, could you share with us some of the keywords, key phrases that we have gotten to learn more about throughout this podcast? One of the key phrases that really hit me hard at was the phrase of the dinner table discussion. We all speak at the dinner table, and sometimes there's some issues that we're not permitted to speak about, or children are not permitted to speak about, and that just is not helpful for anyone. It doesn't allow processing and the like, and it just points out some secrets, and secrets don't uh, help people most of the time. And that's from Queen of Fee. All right, and we're going to go on to Nancy. Nancy, what are some key words or phrases that we took away from this Oh, there's so many, but I I think the tone that I heard was hope and empowerment. Um, As a victim of domestic violence myself, I had hoped that my abuser would change. I had hoped that I would have the courage to move forward with, with my safety plan, to move myself and my daughter out of this environment. And I think that that is what a lot of victims live with every day as they are being abused. But the empowerment says a lot about your strength. And if anyone um, has visited our website, the Randy's House of Angels, all of our programs that we provide to children include the phrase hope and encouragement. Hope and courage, I'm sorry. And so courage, the fact that you do have, you've been empowered to have that strength to move forward and hope again uh, to move forward on your own. So those were very strong phrases, people, uh, words that were used throughout the podcast. And Sherry, uh, what were some memories that you have and some interesting things that you got to learn throughout this process? So the one word that uh, that I take away is the word resilience, even though we heard it mostly in the last episode from William. I think we got that concept throughout, that whole idea that really builds on Nancy's word of hope and empowerment. It's that resilience that folks really can go on and heal. I I think that's really important. One of the things that I recall very much, and it wasn't so much necessarily a word, but more a concept, was... The, the shift in domestic violence during the COVID pandemic, and I believe, Nancy, you talked about it, but also some of our other guests had talked about it, how the numbers just really spiked during COVID. And it's not necessarily something that you immediately would have thought, but it makes perfect sense. You're, you're stuck in your home. You're, you're around your abuser almost constantly. There's other financial pressures going on, maybe your job. And that was the thing that I'm really taking away is like, I can't believe how much of an increase there was in domestic violence issues during COVID. And I'm, I'm hoping that that is starting to normalize. I'm sure we'll start to see some statistics come out, hopefully in the next you know few months that, that say that. But gosh, that was what really stuck with me after this experience with uh, these 10 episodes. I agree with you. Because we provide our services to children, 
it was very difficult to reach the children, and certainly our programs are not designed to be presented virtually. They're in person because kids come together and they have a safe place to discuss. But ultimately, what was happening in the homes during the pandemic was exactly, it was a great opportunity for abusers. Uh, you know, being able to have them in an enclosed environment, uh, you couldn't go out of your home at times. Uh, you may not have had transportation at all in your neighborhood, but it, it did make an impact on an increase in the amount of domestic violence. I've heard that from law enforcement. I've heard that from shelters. Uh, it is gradually coming back. Some of the shelters, unfortunately, had to close because of funding and also being able to support the victims that were coming to them or calling them and actually having to put them up in hotels. And so that cost was pretty high. But staffing, it just goes on, you know, when looking at the number of victims that were, I say, coming through the doors. But in, in the case of the pandemic, they were virtually contacting them. So one of the things that I believe that we did a very good job of here was bringing in a variety of different guests. I mean, obviously, you can go back to our episode list and, and see all the different guests that we had in. But what I loved is we had a lot of different guests from a lot of different perspectives. Again, we, we sincerely thank every single one of our guests, so we certainly don't mean to exclude. We do only have a limited amount of time here. So I wanted to go around, and if everybody wanted to highlight a guest or two that they uh, really appreciated, Dr. Smith, if you want to begin. Of course, I, too, uh, loved every guest, and I thought that they each had a great message. But Queen Fee definitely uh, was inspiring to me to think about the dinner table because, you know, most of us have dinner tables. And her comments about the fact that most that, quote, the best abusers, end quote, do not leave marks. There's emotional abuse. There's financial abuse. There's sexual abuse. And we tend to automatically think of domestic violence as physical abuse and expect to see uh, marks or bruises. And in fact, that is often not the case, which means that we somewhat automatically, not intentionally, just ignore it. And that doesn't mean that the abuse is not happening and that that doesn't mean that the abuse does not leave scars. But it's something that we miss. So I thought that was really helpful to discuss. And Nancy? Oh, wow, this is really tough because I sat through every podcast and I could relate to everything that was being discussed. Um, it was very emotional for me, um, and I, I really felt that the guests that came in um, and told their story as victims, um, it made me feel like I was not the only one. Um, I could relate to their comments about you know, what they were experiencing, their red flags, their abusers manipulating them to the point of having so much control over their family, their friends, their entire environment, and, of course, themselves. You know, the family secret also stood out at me. Um, I was brought up where we were, I mean, I'm Mexican-American, so growing up in the 60s during the Civil Rights Act, uh, my parents were very protective of us. And with that in mind, you know, we were told that what happens in this house stays in this house. So I lived that when I was married, that family's secret of my family, my daughter, my husband, of that 
no one knew he was an abuser because I protected him. And that's what stood out to me when I listened to the victims of how we all protected our abuser so much that we were so much into it, we didn't realize we were doing that. And I also realized that my daughter was doing the same for her father. And Sherry. When I think back on the episodes like Nancy, I really appreciated all of the uh, the guests. I think the one that had uh, the most impact on me is perhaps William, who was reflecting on his childhood and the fact that he was not able to talk about what had happened to him until much later in his life, carrying around all of that uh, trauma and uh, the the impact of that for so many years before he felt able to talk about it. And he talks about one social worker in particular who encouraged him to talk about He actually didn't think it was okay to talk about what had happened to him. So it really brings home to me the idea that we need to get the word out that it's okay for kids to talk about what's happening to them. And I, I absolutely understand that it's not always safe for children who are still living in a violent situation or a, an abusive situation to talk about what's happening to them. However, when, when it is safe, some children still feel like it's not okay to talk about what has happened to them. And it's so important to empower that voice. I, it gets back to Nancy's word of empowerment. Uh, so, yeah, that was probably the most impactful. I think that for me, it, it was it was difficult for, on a variety of reasons to, to pick just sort of one thing. But as somebody who works in higher education, I really appreciated Sarah and Emily's uh, discussions because you would you probably wouldn't be surprised there is a significant amount of intimate partner violence on college campuses all across this country. In fact, it's an epidemic. It is always is continued to increase year over year. And so somebody who works with very closely with a lot of people in this of this age group, it is it is really good to know that our colleges and institutions are really taking strides to protect people who who are uh, victims of domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Uh, but of course, as somebody who also has, you know, survived uh, a situation with um, a family um, when I was younger, a, a domestic violence situation, so many of the survivors who came on and shared their their feelings and, and thoughts and, and hope, uh, it was really just inspirational to know that if you are in a situation like that, there is there is hope on the other side. So those were those are some of the ones that I appreciated. Get ready for another swing at changing lives with the annual Round for Randy golf outing. Hosted by Randy's House of Angels, join us on Friday, September 6, 2024 at Rich Valley Golf Course in Mechanicsburg, PA.
Tee off with registration at 7.15 a.m. and a shotgun start at 8 a.m. Since 2016, this golf outing has seen the support soar, raising over $100,000 in total. Your participation in these events directly fuels our programs and services, making a real difference in the lives of children. Let's come together, make memories, and leave an everlasting impact. Join us in supporting the mission of Randy's House of Angels, because every step and every swing counts. You know, one of the the themes that we continue to come back to throughout this podcast is signs of abuse and red flags to look for. I think almost every single guest that we had on throughout the course of this podcast talked in some respect about that. So I wanted to kind of go around and see if we could have a brief dialogue about what some of those are in terms of the signs and then what some of the red flags are if that we could be looking for if we, you know, fear that that somebody we know or care about is is in a situation of domestic violence. So, Dr. Smith? I think uh, we have on the website the equality wheel, and that's about relationships. It could be intimate relationships. It could be family relationships. It could be friend relationships. But sort of the bottom line is that there's a give and a take in equality. And then the power and violent power and control wheel is pretty much the opposite and gives an indication of domestic violence in the sense of the person the, the abuser wanting to know every single move that the victim is making in contrast to just knowing in general. And so for me, those are particularly good areas to look at to gauge oneself or a loved one. I think the other thing is just to remember that this is not at all immediate. There may be some things that we have to pause about and some things that we have to address now, whomever we are, whether an abuser and a victim or a family member. And Nancy? Well, Dr. Alan Smith mentioned this about Queen of Fee's comments about recognizing abuse um, has no uh, marks. That did resonate with me that I thought about this, and I share it with everyone, of course, here, that the stigma that is out there today in our society is that no one wants to talk about domestic violence. If it is occurring, they sweep it under the rug. No one wants to get involved. And so sometimes as a victim, you're, you feel like you're so alone. But we as a society look at, like, if we see marks, if we see bruises, and I spent many hours trying to cover my bruises, um, but those, those marks on, on someone's body, people can say, oh, that person is a victim of domestic violence, a black eye, which I had. You knew right away, how do I get a black eye? But ultimately, there are so many other types of abuse that's there. The verbal abuse is so Emotional abuse, especially, I mean, that comes along with being physically um, abused by someone and also financial abuse and not being able to make decisions or have any input in any decisions regarding um, buying a car, buying a house, or even, you know, putting food on the table. The greatest example that I had was like, I wasn't allowed to have any decisions when I was married with my ex-husband, but he trusted me enough to take care of his daughter and to put food on the table, and to clean the house, and to mow the lawn. <laughs> so I always thought that that was very interesting. But sexual abuse, you know, we don't talk about sexual abuse. Sexual abuse occurs 
you know, as a form of domestic violence. I know that I experienced that, the power control of a person that they know that they can abuse an individual in any way that they please. So again, I go back to what we, how we view domestic violence in our society. I get a lot of calls from individuals and their scenario of what's happening in their lives. They're questioning, is this really abuse? So I just want everyone to know that please look at beyond the physical abuse. And Sherry Peters. I really resonate with what Nancy just said about being able to tell whether or not you are in an abusive relationship. The fact that Nancy gets calls all the time wanting to know, well, is this abuse? Is that abuse? It gets back to what Dr. Smith talked about, and that is the equality versus power and control. And so the the whole idea that uh, Sahara and Emily talked about with being able to communicate, I think what they really emphasized was that if you feel like you are not able to talk about something that you know is happening, it may be a red flag that there's something going on and there's power and control being wielded instead of a mutual relationship. So I think those kinds of early signs, again, resonating with the fact that there's often no physical scars or physical marks. It really is intimidation and all kinds of emotional abuse that keep people from being able to have a mutual kind of relationship. I agree with that. What I wanted also to point out that our youth are experiencing that in teen dating. There's violence there. What they're learning in their homes with that power and control of their mother's boyfriend, their their father, whomever's in that home, they are taking that, perpetuating that behavior because they feel empowered by that. So it's happening a lot to our teens, the same scenario. I think one of the things that I, on that point, that I realized is how much domestic violence is perpetuated through the generations. I, I'd never had really thought about that prior to coming into this experience. And almost every single person talked about that in some regard about how, you know, if you were in a position of domestic violence in your household as a child, that the, the odds are, are much, much higher that you're going to somehow be involved in that down the road, which I thought was really, really surprising and, and one of my big takeaways. Paul, I do want to mention something, an example that probably all of us witness, even when you're four or five-year-old and your children, and you see the children lashing back or hitting their mother, um, those are signs of what's happening in that home. Those children are learning that that's, that's what mommy deserves. You know, if I don't like something, then I hit mommy or I yell at mommy. And it's happening so young. It's not just as when you get in, be an adult, or even like I mentioned, as a youth, a teen, but it's happening much younger. Wow. I also uh, think that we think that if somebody's observed abuse in their house, that that means they will become an abuser, and that is possible. But they're also more likely to become a victim. So if there's abuse in the house, increased risk of victimhood as well as abuse and being an abuser. Well, and I want to sort of go to that last piece here, and that is, 
you know, the whole mission of, of what Randy's House of Angels does is to, to help the families and the children that are uh, experiencing domestic violence. So I really want to come back to that because we did, even though we talked about a, a variety of different things, we, we certainly had the opportunity during this podcast series to chat more about how children and, and as a part of the family uh, are impacted. So I just wanted to go around and, and kind of talk about are there some what resources are out there? I know that that's what this whole show is about, but can we maybe just through this talk about some of the resources beyond Randy's House of Angels that do exist out there for the children? I'll start with you, Dr. Smith. Well, I had the opportunity to uh, interview a couple of folks and talk with a couple of folks who are at Domestic Violence of Cumberland and Perry County. And so whether you're in those counties or any other county, every county has a domestic violence organization that's available to you, and I think that's really important. There are so many resources on the local level, regional level, and state level. Whatever state that you're in and you're listening to this podcast, please look at your resources online or open. I think there's phone books, (laughs) whether you're on your phone. They're there, and those resources work together, but also on a national level, and you have the, the national domestic violence center and so they all work together uh the pennsylvania coalition of domestic violence that's now nationwide i mean they started here in pennsylvania wow that's incredible really yeah it's true it's uh, that's why i feel very honored because i I do a lot of work with them but the fact is that that organizations are there to help victims of domestic violence no matter what age if a individual goes into a shelter a local shelter they are getting help not only themselves to get back on their feet. It could be housing, counseling, you know, everything you could think of. But also the children are also being, are given therapies. That's where Randy House of Angels come in because we partner with these organizations here in central Pennsylvania. But there's a lot of organizations like Randy's House of Angels in all the states and throughout the nation and also internationally. That's what I like to hear. All right, um, Sherry, can you share some uh, other resources that you can share with our listeners? So I think that Dr. Smith and Nancy covered a lot of them, and if they weren't all covered, they'll be listed on the website. However, I think that the one area that um, is probably hardest is families who care about someone that they believe is being abused. Families don't necessarily know where to turn because some of the resources that are out there are specifically for those who are being abused. And so families who want to help sometimes really don't know how to help or where to go to get the help. And I'm not sure that we've created specific things for families other than, you know, learn as much as you can about domestic violence. Learn as much as you can about how to support without blame those who are in situations that they really don't know how to get out of. So if anyone's out there listening and wants to create some resources for families or let us know that there are resources for families who care about a loved one. That would be great. And I think one of the things that I'm taking away from all of this is that, and Nancy, you made this point earlier, just talking about this is is helping because we are letting people know that this is unfortunately more common than people might 
want to think. And the more we can put this out there in the public forum, not just about the physical, but the emotional and the financial violence that comes along with these situations, it's the best thing for it. And, and personally, I believe and I hope that because of things like this, hopefully in a few years from now, maybe we start it starts getting the recognition that it needs in terms of how mental health has been less stigmatized over the last decade or so because people were actually just okay with talking about it. And I'm hoping that given that has happened in our society, I'm hoping that uh, victims of domestic violence feel the same empowerment through that. So when I... Well, after my daughter was murdered, I really did some soul searching and I wanted to think about what I'm going to do the rest of my life because she was my only child. And I said, I need to position myself in the community as a true advocate, an advocate that is that you can trust. That's a key factor, an advocate that will help you and be available for you. And I did that initially by creating a fundraising event to help the local shelters because financially, you know, there's always an issue. So I created a walk and run and we're on our 20th year. That's amazing. In 2024. And you just had a very successful golf tournament as well. Absolutely. But the key is I didn't want to do it necessarily just for the money. I wanted to create an opportunity for people to get to know me as a true advocate. That's what individuals need to do families i have a lot of families that call me uh the clear blue sky, this uh, the clear blue sky because they've read about me they've heard about me and i hope that they feel that i've come across as being a very sincere and trustworthy person so it takes a lot of time when it comes to this sensitive issue of domestic violence and i know the naysayers the individuals that won't approach me um, but I have more people that do approach me and ask for help. And then I am like a wealth of information and resources that will send them to wherever they need to be. You've also given away your personal phone number and email address along with this podcast. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but if anybody just maybe doesn't know where to turn, uh, mm -hmm. you know, contact you. Thank you, Paul. Well, we're, we're down to our last couple of minutes here. I was wondering if everybody would just leave a parting thought, whether it be for a clinician, whether it be from a victim of domestic violence or even a family member. What is just some advice that you can give people who are experiencing domestic violence in some fashion? What is one piece of advice you can leave them with, Dr. Smith? I think I'll leave with a quote that Tony Shear brought to us, and that is a quote by Michelle Rosenthal. Trauma creates change you do not choose. Healing is about creating change you do choose. And I'm hopeful that this podcast will help people see some opportunity for healing or for getting away from a, a bad relationship. But we have some choices. Uh, Trauma is not a choice, but healing is. And Nancy? Because my focus is on children and children that experience trauma and domestic violence in their homes and certainly are at risk, I ask everyone to please allow the children to have a voice and to recognize that they are experiencing trauma also. Don't wait for a crisis to occur, uh, that that child needs help beyond your control, but look for resources like Randy's House of Angels and others in your community. And Sherry? I think my message would be for clinicians out there who find themselves um, being asked by folks to 
provide help and to not underestimate the power of just listening to the story and encouraging the voices to be heard. I think that sometimes clinicians don't realize the kind of impact that they can have in terms of unlocking uh, some things, some healing in the people they serve. And I just want to say that uh, our, our intentions are to continue this podcast, but we can only do that if you listeners out there respond well to it, appreciate it, and share it. So I'm just going to leave everybody with, please, share this as a resource with anybody who you know who might be interested in listening to it, anybody who has a, a desire and a goal to uh, maybe improve their own situations. But it, it, honestly, it's been such a pleasure to be here with all of you, and uh, you know we hope to, to come back, but we, but we want to hear from our listeners and uh, make sure that uh, they want to hear more from us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. And thank all of you. This has been a, a labor of love for all of you, and it's a, I'm, I'm certainly proud to have had the opportunity to work with all of you. All right. We'll see you again next time, everyone. Randy's House of Angels is sponsoring a series of podcasts that will serve as a resource to anyone impacted by domestic violence, including parents, guardians, caseworkers, health providers, advocates, teachers, trauma specialists, clinicians, and more to provide an overview of domestic violence and how to handle situations where domestic violence is present. This is a series of 10 podcasts that will include an overview in healthy relationships, the different types of abuse, supporting someone who is engaged in an unhealthy relationship, and criminal justice resources available to victims. It will also include testimony and stories from courageous survivors who are victims of domestic violence. The podcast will be released starting in October of 2023 and run through February of 2024. If you miss a podcast, it will be made available on demand on Randy's House of Angels website at randyshouseofangels.org. After you've listened to our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Your feedback is crucial for the future of our podcast programs. There is a survey available on our website at randyshouseofangels.org. You can also reference the resources that support the podcast on the website, again, at randyshouseofangels.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.